This is Ben Guest, and this is Ben Bo's podcast. Got a treat for you today. Conversation with one of my closest friends, oldest and closest friends, Bilal Muhammad. Bilal has his own podcast, the Begin Podcast, where he and some of his close friends and his brother discuss comic book movies, superhero movies, so on and so forth. In this conversation, we talk Justice League, the Snyder Cut. We talk podcasting, tips and tricks for podcasting. Talk a little bit about DMX. There was sad news today that DMX is, I believe he had a heart attack and is now in a vegetative state. And we also talk a bit about the Derek Chauvin trial for the murder of George Floyd, which is going on in the U.S. this week. So we talk about a bunch of different things. Always great to chop it up with Bilal. Enjoy. Okay, happy to welcome Bilal Muhammad to the podcast. B, thanks for coming on. No problem, man. No problem. Good to always catch up with you and good to talk and, and you know, just chop it up and stuff. What are we talking about today? Okay, so you're an old podcast hand. So maybe one, of course, tell everybody where they can find you. And then two, what are some of the lessons you've learned podcasting? What are some of your tips, advice, etc.? Um, well, let's see. Uh, first and foremost, you, my main podcast that I do is with uh, uh, four brothers of mine, my, my actual blood brother and three really, really close friends uh, called The Begin Podcast. It's B period, E period, G period, I period, N period, but just Begin Podcast. Um, wherever you get your podcasts, we're on Apple, we're on Stitcher, we're on SoundCloud. Most people find us through SoundCloud, um, but we're on several places that wherever you find your podcasts, you'll, you can find us. Um, and that's like my main podcast. And we chop up a lot of pop cultural stuff from the Black perspective. And so we talk nerdy, but we also talk nerdy from a Black perspective or African-American perspective. And so... Um, yeah, and that's my main one. Um, I've got another one in the fire that I'll maybe jump into and talk to talk about a little bit later, because um, that's one still kind of cooking. But uh, we, you know, we're not with that one's not quite ready for prime time. But I can like kind of, you know, shine a light on it a little bit. Uh, and in terms of lessons learned, um, I would say probably the most important thing is make sure you understand one what your target demographic is like who are you trying to target with this and what are you trying to talk about with this um because i think a lot of times people have a good idea but they don't know how to get it to the people that they want to listen to it or they're not sure where this is going to land what ears this is going to land on and 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 how to get it to those kind of people that they want to listen to it um and then also i would say invest in technology, like do some research into good microphones, do some research into good headphones, do some research into good audio recording equipment, because uh, the number one thing that stopped, you know, people from listening to our podcast, or we've had some stumbles along the way, is when people can't understand what we're saying, because the mics, like we have some kind of technical difficulty. So People have become a little more forgiving in during COVID because everything is like almost a podcast now because uh, you, know, you know so many programs have moved to like a Zoom format or uh, or or over Discord or something like that on YouTube. So, uh, 
but you, you definitely want to invest in some, in some, you know, you don't have to spend a ton of money, but you want to, you know, have like some good quality stuff so people can clearly hear you. Because if you're doing a podcast, the first thing that will tune people out is bad audio quality. Um, if people have to struggle to hear what you're saying, or if it's too loud or the mics are too hot. So, you know, they, they will definitely tune you out. So definitely invest in some gear and do a little bit of research in terms of the actual recording and like how to, you know, maybe even do some audio editing afterwards to even out levels, you know, invest in something like GarageBand or something like that um, would be my advice. Love it. So you talked about identifying the, the core audience. So for the begin podcast, what, what's the core audience? And then how do you find them in terms of being able to market the podcast? So for us, the begin podcast started as, uh, I would say our core audience is where it started is just, you know, it's something that we want to grow from the sort of like friend sphere. So it's like, family and friends and then friends of friends and sort of like degrees from there. And that's how the podcast has kind of grown is that a friend tells a friend and stuff. So we don't have a specifically target thing like, oh, we're talking about sports. So we got to get people who like sports. And we are talking about a particular thing in terms of like nerdy pop culture stuff like Marvel or Game of Thrones or Star Wars or something like that. But it really grew from a, a request from people when I would hang out and talk to them about a movie or a TV show or something like that, they were like, you really should be recording this B. You're really like articulate. You understand a lot of the like backstory or like the universe building. And you like, you know, you've read the original comics or original source material in a lot of these cases. So it would like be really cool to like have a podcast that I can listen to. And so after like hearing friends say that for like four or five years and then having, you know, work uh, with some of these guys on other projects, they were like, hey, like someone else in my sphere said the same thing that someone in your sphere said. So why don't we kind of combine our, our sort of like uh, uh, target demographics and then like build an audience that way. And then it's like, you know, and some of the best podcasts that I like um, have grown that way. It's just like one person telling another person, telling another person, um about this podcast like the one of the most famous ones that grew like that is joe rogan um like you know someone was like hey have you checked out joe rogan's podcast and then they liked it and they told another person they told another person they told another person um and he's basically probably the most successful podcaster in history yeah one of the things that i really appreciate about joe rogan's podcast is you can tell when you're listening to a podcast if the host is just working his or her way through a bunch of questions and isn't really listening to the responses. And, and I even noticed, you know, this is maybe, I don't know, episode 12 or 13 or 14, somewhere there. You know, when I first started, it was like, okay, here are the questions I have to get through rather than just listen to the person and have a natural conversation. And that's, that, that's more entertaining, and more engaging, I think, than question A, question B, question C. Yeah, for sure. That's one of the really good things about Joe Rogan is that he is a really good conversationalist. He asks like leading questions and he in and what comes through is that every guest that he has on, he's naturally curious. They're, they're usually experts in something 
Um, and usually, I mean, sometimes he has like, you know, other MMA people on or other comedians on, but they're usually experts in something he's not an expert in. And he just wants to understand. And so he's naturally curious. And so he's asking, he's sort of like, okay, so explain this to me kind of question. And then he just lets the person talk. And then he does like, you know, this, the kind of synthesis answer. Okay, so this is what I hear you saying in my brain. Is this correct? And then he, you know, and that's more of a natural conversation where they're talking about stocks or the, you know, quantum physics or, you know, uh, uh, airborne viruses and how they're like he has a wide range of people on his podcast uh, talking about things. And so, um, and so that's one of the things I like about him is, and that's one of the things I, that I think my podcast does well is like, it's just like five guys hanging out, having a conversation about something. Uh, and it gives you that fly on the wall kind of feel like we just released our first episode in a while because of COVID. And, you know, there are, there are definitely some moments where we're being very expository in the podcast, where we're explaining some things that are happening in, in pop culture right now in terms of different products and, and properties. But there are, there's this one moment there where we're just like, um, there, there's a story that came out of Warner Brothers about how they're, you know, potentially going to cast Superman as a black guy. Um, and Ta-Nehisi Coates is writing the new Superman. And so I just was like, real quick, around the horn, everyone say who you think will be the best Black Superman of like working actors today. And everyone gave an answer. And one of the most like common respondents to that podcast now is people saying, I love that section about you guys just going around the horn because I was in my car listening to it and I was like disagreeing or agreeing like very passionately with you and, and, and things like that. And so when you can give people that kind of like fly on the wall of your conversation where they feel like, you know, they're kind of, you know, intimately hearing something, uh, maybe that they're even, you know, it's even more enticing when it's like maybe something they shouldn't be hearing because it's kind of spicy or, you know, it's, it's, you know, you're spilling some tea or something like that. That always intrigues people and kind of gets people uh, interested in what you're doing and stuff. And so I always like, kind of like go for that kind of format of the conversation that you know people normally don't get uh access to and trying to create that space speaking of which justice league snyder cut what's your yes um it's a little my my take is a little nuanced um it's my take is like it's not a good movie but it's a better version of the than the Justice League, Josh Whedon version. But you know, it's a basic kind of rule of filmmaking of like, if you can't tell a better story in four hours than someone can do in two hours with the same material, then you're not a good director. <laughs> but then you, you really need to stop directing. So he had four hours. And then also something that uh, one of my colleagues and on the Begin podcast pointed out was that not only did he have four hours, but he had one of the rare things where he could Monday morning quarterback his own project where very few times in life you get to turn in a paper and then, you know, see all the notes and comments and then turn it in again, because there's things that he changed based on what people said over the last three years or four years of that movie being out and stuff. Uh, and, uh, and that's, that's very, very true and evident in, in the, um, in the sort of uh, cut of this movie. And so it's a better movie. Um, it's not what I would call a necessarily good movie, 
um, because I don't agree with the way Zack Snyder has made a lot of these characters. The strong suit of the movie is that Cyborg um, story is more centralized in the movie and Cyborg's story is way more interesting. Uh, and Cyborg is really the POV character. Um, and what Josh Whedon did by cutting him out is that he really, you know, one, neutered Cyborg's story, but two, he didn't give the audience uh, an entry character, a POV character to kind of like understand the narrative. And in Snyder's version, uh, Cyborg is central to everything that's happened. And also there's a really cool relationship between him and his dad. Well, it's not cool, but it's interesting. It's an interesting story where his dad is kind of neglectful, but then when his son is hurt really bad, he really like comes through and like does this experiment to save his son's life, but it, you know, makes him into this like cybernetic being. And it, for me, it was just really interesting to see like, a father-son relationship like that. Um, but, you know, the people are Black because, you know, I've never, I can't remember a film, like I've seen that trope of like the neglectful scientist dad, but I've never seen it with the Black guy. And it was, he's, the father is expertly played by Joe Morgan, Joe Morton, who's like one of the most famous Black sort of sci-fi journeyman actors. He was Miles Bennett Dyson in Terminator 2. So it was really kind of a treat to kind of see that. Um, but, the movie has a lot of problems. It has a lot of flaws. Uh, it still has, suffers from the fact that, you know, just on a basic nerd level, everyone knows Batman's identity and, and is saying it aloud. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck is going on in this movie? <laughs> you know? It's like everybody knows who Batman is. Everybody knows who Superman is. Everybody knows who their mothers are. Um, yes. <laughs> I, but I, li I like the idea that it's like Joss and Zach were sitting next to each other, writing a paper, writing a text, right? writing an essay. And, and Joss just plagiarizes Zach's paper, spices it up a little bit, turns it in, gets it back, has comments in a grade. Zach Snyder's able to look at all the comments in the grade and then kind of adjust his, his vision accordingly. Yeah, that's, that's literally, what kind of happened there. And it's, um, you know, it's not a knock on Josh, but he had to, you know, it, the, the movie, that came, the, the original movie that came out is like a Frankenstein of a movie because it's kind of like two thirds of a Zack Snyder movie, one third of a Josh Whedon movie. And, you know, Josh Whedon is good at what he does, but like even he couldn't really fix a lot of those problems because his answers to a lot of the problems only work if the material is his to begin with in terms of like tone and you know just uh you know i think josh would have pulled, like used a different color palette just as a director and, and things like that it made things brighter interior and stuff you know his he is really good you know he did the avengers famously he you know did a show that both you and i love called firefly where he's really good at the team up of misfits, you know, people who don't work well together normally coming together for a greater cause and, and things like that. And he uses comedy and team dynamics and group dynamics really well. And he tried to do that, but in Justice League, it really feels uneven because in the Snyder universe, everything is super serious. Batman is a murderer, Wonder Woman is a murderer, you know, Superman never laughs or smiles. And so, in, so you have a lot of that footage that Snyder shot lumped in with like, 
you know, these like jokey moments amongst like Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman. And it doesn't really fit tonally because you're just like, okay, like I'm supposed, I'm laughing one moment and then the next moment these people are like arguing and yelling at each other and, and everyone's obsessed with Wonder Woman. Like that was the other thing is that he made like, you know, and that, that I don't agree with. Like now that's one of the things that they excited it better is that he made Wonder Woman a better member of the team because Josh really made Wonder Woman like a, a point of affection for every man in the team, except for Superman, basically, who <laughs> was like into Wonder Woman. And I don't necessarily agree with that sort of like treating of Wonder Woman because that kind of takes away some of her, you know, just like, I wouldn't say agency, but takes away some of her, um, just like her identity as like a full-fledged member, fighting member of the Justice League. Yeah. Yeah, and you know another thing that I think Snyder handled terribly in in his DC universe is, you know, the first couple of Marvel movies. Yeah, you had the tags, the end credit tags, but they were self-contained films. I think you know probably even up until Civil War, or even um, even Infinity War like the the films were self-contained and you didn't have to have any knowledge of anything else whereas you know once you got to batman versus superman it was like flash forward to this apocalyptic time you know how did robin die like all these questions that he's clearly building up and he does the same thing in justice league where he ends on this massive cliffhanger that he's almost certainly never going to be able to make and it's like they sort of had the cart before the horse in terms of they plotted out all this world building, but they forgot to make a good movie. Yes, I mean, I think that's the clear point. And again, another one of my guys in, uh, on our podcast pointed that out of just like, you know, uh, he, you know, he was more than happy because he's a big DC fan, big DC fanboy, And he really like took the first Justice League that came out in 2017 to task on so many of those kind of problems of just like, they're not taking the time, like Marvel in comparing it to Marvel, like Marvel took 10 years to build to Infinity War and, you know, had all this, all these like character arcs. And, you know, it's basically, you know, and the secret sauce to Marvel as Kevin Feige, the guy who was the architect of all the stuff Marvel said, is like, he basically just took the TV format and put it in movies. He's just like, you know, the whole like first, 20 movies of the MCU is just like one season of television and Infinity War and Endgame are like the series finale or the season finale or whatever and but they didn't take the time they were in such a rush to a catch up to Marvel um and b just like tell the cool stories of like you know Doomsday and you know Nightmare Batman and you know Flashpoint which are like really cool interesting stories and some of the best stories in the DC sort of like universe that they didn't take the time to build the bare bones of like, who is Batman in this universe? Who is Superman in this universe? Who is Wonder Woman? And so they're just kind of like throwing you in the deep end and saying like, you know, like Robin's already dead and the Joker's in, you know, in jail and here's the Suicide Squad too. And you're just like, this is kind of like all over the place as a, as a cinematic universe. And so it's really hard to follow. Yeah, especially if you're a layperson. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and and also just the way that especially Superman behaves is so contrary to how I I think of his character. Right, we've talked about this before. How he just lets his father 
his adopted father die in, in Man of Steel. Yeah. Just doesn't, you know, that, that's when I was out on the whole Snyderverse, you know, right? When that scene happened, I was like, this is dumb as fuck. Right, yeah, Superman just doesn't, you know, he's not the dude who just lets people die. <laughs> that's, the, that's the whole point of his character is like, he's willing to sacrifice his own life to save people. Um, and and the, the, do whatever. The whole, the whole point of Superman is he does not let people die, except yeah. his dad. <laughs> except his dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and so yeah, the whole Snyderverse is ugh, there. There's some real problems there. There's some real, real problems there. It's um, and just well, in terms of was, understanding the fundamentals. Yeah. What was funny is you know we have a little chat group, and I'm normally the first person to walk out of movies. Back when we could go to movies, I'd walk out if I didn't like it or just stop watching. And I think I was, I was definitely the first person to finish this night, all four and a half hours of the Snyder cut. And then did you actually end up even finishing it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched, so I watched, it was four hours. So I watched it and it's done in those like, I think it's four chapters, which are each an hour. Cause originally it was going to come out an hour a week, um, in episode format. But then they, uh, cause they had always targeted March as a release month but then falcon and winter soldier because of COVID, got pushed from october to march and they didn't want to compete against falcon and winter soldier so they're just like we'll just do all in one weekend before falcon and winter soldier comes out right and so uh so i watched two hours of it and then my internet went out and i was like oh this is a sign from the internet and it, re- it went out right as chapter three was starting and i was like this is a sign it's going to pause for the cause and then I ended up watching the last two hours at my girlfriend's place uh, later that weekend and stuff. And so, and I would say the first two hours are really kind of boring and they're, it's the same goddamn movie, just slower. It's more shots of people walking slower with worse music. And then the movie really changes in the second hour and becomes a lot better um, than the, the first than the first movie because he has more time to tell the story in more interesting ways. He introduces Dark Side, shows like, you know, Apocalypse, the planet the Dark Side is from and stuff. And so you see a little bit more interesting uh sort of world building at least that kind of keep keeps you interested in what they're doing and stuff. So yeah. On a totally different note, you saw the news about DMX? Yeah, it's like super sad, man. That's like, you know, he's one of my favorite rappers of all time. And, you know, I haven't really had a moment to think about that um, because I was, I've been podcast, I podcasted yesterday for like three hours and then I podcasted today for an hour and like a half and now doing this and also like my normal job stuff, life stuff. So I really haven't had a chance to really stop and, and digest what's really happened to him. And so, I mean, what I know is that, you know, he had a slip and fall, got back on drugs and is now like in a vegetative state. Um, is that right? Uh, on a, I just on a, saw the headline, so I'm, I'm not sure. But the, the headline I saw was drug overdose, heart attack, vegetative state. Yeah. And that, I mean, most people don't come back from that. So. He's, I think he's pretty done and which is extremely sad, extremely, extremely sad. Um, and for me, like, again, not, 
knowing all the ins and outs of it, but I saw one headline which I thought was really kind of apt, and it was kind of talking about this in the context of the George Floyd situation and how um, often there's not a lot of sympathy or empathy given to Black men, particularly when, they, when they're battling substance abuse. It's just another sort of, you know, support for demonizing black men and painting black men as monsters. Um, whereas, you know, with all the opioid stuff in America, a lot of white people are given the benefit of doubt, second chances, third chances, and looked at as like, oh, this is a disease we have to fight, you know, but in the context, for example, with George Floyd, it's just like, oh, well, he was a monster or he was a bad dude because he did, he had drugs in his system and that's what led to his, you know, interaction or problems with the police and probably, you know, contributed to his death. And in the case of DMX, like he, you know, used drugs and so, you know, he reaped what he sows and he always was this kind of like, you know, super emotional rapper and, you know, talked about like doing this hard life. And so he kind of just walked the path, lived, lived by the sword, died by the sword. And there's no sort of like nuance or just like this was a human being who struggled with addiction, who had a disease, who, you know, fought, you know, because it's really interesting watching, at least peripherally, you know, I see a very similar strain of what happened to him as to what happened to Carrie Fisher, right? There are both people who in their younger years were dealing with a drug addiction, but when you're younger and their bodies are in better shape, they you know party hard and it never caught up with them. And then they have a bit of a comeback. They either start making movies again or get back in the studio again. And those same kind of demons are still there that they had thought they had defeated or they had locked away. Um, but you know you get back in the booth, you get back on the set, and old habits kind of resurface. And then you know you're 50 years old or you're 70 years old and you're trying to do the same stuff and your body just kind of gives out on you. And the outpouring that like no one was talking about like what Carrie Fisher did or the drugs she took or anything like that uh, during this time period and stuff. And so uh, it, it was, it, it's really interesting to, to see people's reaction to Carrie Fisher versus their reaction to DMX is basically what I'm saying. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that, but 100%. And I mean, we've talked about this for years. We just had an ongoing conversation basically about race in America. And this, the system has to protect itself, right? So the way the police state protects itself is by demonizing black men. In terms of George Floyd, the case is going on this week. Um, it's like you said, it, it, every headline, every article references um, either there were drugs in the system or he'd been addicted to drugs or, or whatever, which has nothing to do with what happened to him and has nothing to do with the case. But it's, you know, if, if the system's going to justify itself, it's going to just, it, it justifies itself uh, by demonizing black men, by, the, by people of color in, in general, black men specifically. Yeah, 100%. That's his whole. That's Derek Chauvin's whole defense is that it was the drugs in the system that led to his death or at least contributed to his death. Um, and there's enough white people out there, white Americans in, on, on mass that like 
believe that and 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 are willing to be like well you know i heard a story once and you know and you know i you know i this is what you know my grandfather believed about these people and maybe this is true where there's not enough people on the opposite end like pushing an anti-narrative or saying like this is bullshit like you said you know uh like you just said you know this is this has nothing to do with a knee on his neck for nine minutes <laughs> you know and so we need to kind of have an alternate narrative. And, you know, Derek Chauvin is who he is, and he's an American, so he's entitled to defense. And he's on trial for his life and stuff like that. But he's definitely feeding into and contributing to an ongoing narrative that just demonizes Black men. Yeah, 100%. Um... I think last last question, and then we can we can hop off. I hadn't realized you've been doing so many podcasts back to back, so I know it can be it's tricky to just be on all the time. Yeah. What uh, so with the trial going on, what's what what's the tone? You know, I'm not in the states, obviously. What's what what's the tone in the states right now? Um, I mean, a lot of people. It's one of those really super watched things. You know, I'm. You know, you and I have had a lot of political discussions, so you know I'm plugged in watching a lot of like kind of political news on CNN, MSNBC, you know, Young Turks on on YouTube, um, and you know it's top of the news. Like every night, people are talking about it, so it's it's on the level of OJ uh, in terms of people are paying. At least in my circles and in the the places where I run, is that a lot of people are paying attention to it, a lot of people are watching it, a lot of people are talking about it, and so. Um, and, uh, you know, if he is found not guilty, I, that is going to be like a devastating, you know, we're going to have a whole other real hot summer of riots and problems and, and, and stuff. Um, even if he's found guilty, I, you know, I think there's going to be, depending on like what, you know, his uh, sentences and stuff, there may still be, a, you know, a negative reaction and things like that. And so um, I know a lot of people are watching it and paying attention to it for sure. All right. Well, B, thanks for coming on. When I started the podcast, I was like, who's the funniest person I know? I was like, it's Bilal. I need to have him on sooner than later. Although obviously this conversation was was more serious, but uh, at some point, definitely want to have you come back and talk comedy and, and creativity and all the other cool stuff you're doing. Yeah, no problem, man. I, I definitely would be happy to do that and have that conversation with you for sure. I tell the people where they can find you. Uh, again, look me up on uh, through my podcast. We're a Begin Podcast. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on uh, Instagram. Uh, we, we're also we're on a big three. Um, and then also, like, if you want to like actually find episodes, like we're we're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on SoundCloud. Uh, we're on all the places you you normally find your podcasts. So Begin Podcast. Check us out. Like, subscribe, comment. Let us know what you want us to talk about and, and what you'd like to hear from us. That was my conversation with Bilal Muhammad. This is Ben Guest. You can find all of my work at benbo.substack.com. That's benbo.substack.com. Have a great day.